Second Corinthians tells us that we walk by faith, not by so I look at the problems of the world and perhaps someone looks at me and says, naive, silly young boy. Haven't you heard the news? Did you hear what happened in Colorado? Oh, the world's gone crazy, man. Have you heard what's happening in Uganda? Have you heard what's happening in Syria? Have you heard what's happening in Israel and Palestine? Hey, do you have any idea? Take your head out of the clouds, boy. Well, no, I see it all. I watch the news. I listen to the radio. I see it. But my faith is greater than what I see. I would be a depressed man if all I had in this life was the world. It would, it would just do my head in if all I had to do was come home at night and read the news and see how much worse it got today. The world needs peace. And God, my friends, is the answer. Mankind just, you know, when you, I say it would do my head in, it used to do my head in. And what happens is that hopelessness that comes from looking at the world just creates this hole, doesn't it? It's like the hole that was already there just got bigger. And we try and shove stuff in that hole like entertainment, relationships, money, career. They're just all these avoidance behaviors because we don't want to see how bad it is. God wants to bring peace to the world. Isaiah 9.6 says, as I was prophesying about Jesus, I'm sorry I'm nowhere near my notes, but you're going to have to run with me. Isaiah 9.6 says, when he's speaking about Jesus, he says, he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Prince of the Prince of Peace. Is this thing still on my face? I can't feel it. All good. The Prince of Peace. Would you turn with me to Ephesians two, verses fourteen to seventeen? Oh, how long have I got? Crikey, I'm not even into my introduction yet. Sorry. How long does it take? Oh, I like you. You can move to my church. I'm only kidding, Pastor Michael McKinney. Now, you know what? It's a great, it is actually a great pleasure. It's a great honor to be preaching in another man's church when he's not here. I mean, it, mean, it means two things. It means either he implicitly trusts you that you're not going to create some heresy that's got to come back and clean up, or he's heard me preach before and he couldn't stand the thought of doing it a second time. I'm going to go with the first. I'm going to go with the first one. Ephesians 2, verse 14 to 17. Do we have that up there? Oh, look at you. Gee, you guys are so efficient. For he himself is our, he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having established in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. And that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. I don't know if this is any, making sense to any of you. Let's read on a little bit more. And he came and preached peace to all who were far and near. What's the point of that little passage that Paul is writing to the Ephesian church? The point is this. There were two. Now there is one. 
There was the chosen and the unchosen. There was the elect. There was the unelect. There was the superior. There was the inferior. You see, the thing I like about the gospel is it's the great equalizer. Millionaire, pauper. Businessman, unemployed, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian. Hey, we're all one. Is there any 100% Greeks in the room? 100% Jews in the room? Your mum's a Jew, your dad's a Jew, your granddad's a Jew, your granddad's a Jew. Generational Jews. Anybody here 100% Jew? Not one. Not one. Hey, this is good news for us then. Because once we were on the outside... And the point that Paul's trying to make here is, listen, when the gospel came, he came to unite. Jesus' purpose was to unite, not to create another select group known as Christians. But we don't want to associate with the Jews. We're one. And as long as you think you're able to be in front of God and called justified by any other means than through Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. Because that means you have to stand before God and say, I'm justified because I'm a good person. Because I tithe. Because I go to church every Sunday. I help that old lady across the road. I don't swear. I don't smoke. And I don't hang out with those who do. I'm a good boy. And I'm afraid there's a day coming. <coughs> and the news is all bad. Where Jesus will say, the Father will say, Be gone. I don't know who you are. It's not who you think you are. You think you're great. We are justified before the Father through one means and one means alone, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ saves you, when Jesus Christ justifies you, the Holy Spirit moves in. He begins to regenerate you. And those things that you used to war about, those things you used to justify, those things you used to stand for, stop. He says, you live for my principles now, not for yours. My preferences overtake yours. You preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel of Phil Lewis. Don't you understand? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming, because I know Mike relatively well, that he's a good biblical teacher. And this is not new to you. There's nothing new in any of this. But I want to restate what has probably been stated a hundred times. We are saved by grace. By faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It's not about church. It's not about Bible reading. It's about giving your life to God. That's what it means. I stop being the Lord of my life. And he becomes the Lord. The capacity to say, do this, don't do that. And I say, yes, sir. Anything short of that is rebellion. 
He's not the Lord. I've given something to him and I go, it doesn't suit me today, I'm taking it back. I'll wear the crown today, thanks God. We give our lives to God when we become Christians. The purpose of this gospel. Can you see the power in this little verse here? If we don't get this, then we continue to justify ourselves. We forget that we've been brought under a banner. We would stop fighting about the land. We would stop fighting about our rights. We would stop fighting about our opinions. It's so simple. You can't be serious, Billy. Yeah, I'm dead serious. We fight because we justify ourselves. Come to James, chapter 4 with me. Is that in the list? I think that's in the list. James chapter 4. James says, where do wars come from amongst you? If you think that evil resides in some ethereal plane, in some hole in the ground, under some rock, behind some tree, just waiting to grab you, wake up. Evil live very comfortably inside the heart of man. It's happy to make its home there. Where do wars come from amongst you? Do they not come from the desires, your pleasures, the war in your members? You lust and you don't have. You murder and covet. Hey, he's speaking to the church. You murder, you covet, you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. What a good bunch this is, eh? Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you do ask and you don't receive it because what you would get, you'd spend on yourselves. Nothing like us. We're a wonderful group. We're all inclusive. We love everybody, don't we? You want to fix the problem with the unrest in the world? You want to see peace? You let the Holy Spirit move in and bring peace. But how does he bring peace? He attacks you. Well, that doesn't sound right. How does he bring peace by attacking you? By exactly this. He establishes his reign in your life. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he declares war on you. Have you ever wondered? Because Jesus himself says in uh, Matthew, I think, it's, I think that was in there too, Matthew 10. Matthew 10, you want to throw that one up? Matthew 10. This is funny. Because if you ever read this one, you'll think, this is a bit of a contradiction. Because Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring war. I brought a sword, man. Oh, you think, oh, what a contradiction. First of all, we hear he's the Prince of Peace. And now he says, I'm not here to bring peace. What's he talking about? Where's my stand? Is it? Oh, crikey, it's over the way down there. That's why it's not working. <laughs> it's tickling the chin. Oh, that's better. Of course, you can hear me. They can hear me across the block. I'm screaming at you. Sorry, I get, I get excited and I, you know, raise the voice a little. Calm down. I've got to sit down on something that'll keep me still. What does this mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm really glad you asked. Jesus says, I did not come to bring a superficial peace that's based on avoidance. Oh, 
let's see how we go with that. I'm not looking at my notes, so I don't need my glasses anyway. I am not here to bring a peace that's based on avoidance. Have you ever noticed that we sort of think peace comes by dancing around the issues? Oh, look at that, that elephant in the room. Do you realize that the world actually thinks that's how we gain peace? Jesus says, I didn't come to bring that peace. I came to bring you a lasting peace. And in fact, he goes to promise his disciples when he's leaving. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do exactly the same. <laughs> he's going to convict you. He's going to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit comes to do war on our way of living life so that we can have peace eternal. Do you have peace in here? Or are you constantly fighting for your rights? Oh, gee, I don't like this guy. He's in my face. You probably wouldn't like Jesus or Paul very much either because they would have been right in your face. I'm nice about it. You won't find peace. Eternal peace, lasting peace anywhere else than through Jesus Christ. You can avoid around the issues and you might avoid a little fight every now and then. But eventually, eventually, you'll trip over that elephant in the room and it's on. You can't avoid the issues forever. I really dislike this thing. Can I get this thing muted, please? Thank you. Sorry about that. Am I on? I can see again. Whew. Oh, you're so beautiful. So much easier to say that at night when the lights are down. And <laughs> kidding. Sorry about that. Couldn't help myself. I've got a question for you. <clears throat> what does a peacekeeper do? Anybody bold enough to answer that question? What does a peacekeeper do? Top of the class. They keep the peace. Question number two. What does a peacemaker do? Why do we send peacekeepers into a war-ravaged area and not peacemakers? I mean, we send a peacekeeper to a place that doesn't have peace to keep. There isn't peace in the regions we send peacekeepers. They can't keep peace that's not there. They need peacemakers, people to come in and make peace. I'm brilliant. Did you get that? I am brilliant. You're going to go home, you're going to think about that, and you're just going to be dumbfounded at the brilliance of that young man. Are you aware that if you're a born-again Christian, you are not a peacekeeper, you are a peacemaker, God saved you so that you could make peace. Listen here, friends. In Mark 12, Jesus is confronted by this Pharisee, this scribe, who says, Oh, tell me, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, What? 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the next commandment is just like it. Please note that he was asked to tell him which one was the greatest and he gives him two. The first one is you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is just like it. You love man as yourself. The idea, the notion, the principle of reconciliation is not a side issue of the gospel. It is the whole gospel. Half of the gospel is reconciling you to God and the other half is reconciling you with your neighbor. It's not 10%, 20% or other, some other notional percentage. It's half of the gospel. You want to have the gospel active in your life. You want to be a full-on Christian. It's not you in your holy huddle with just you and Jesus in the prayer quarter. It's you out there sharing the love of God, bringing peace. You're a peacemaker. And we behave the way Jesus did when he brought peace. Confront the issue. You see, a ceasefire, put your guns down, let's dance around this for a couple of weeks, is not peacemaking. It's avoidance. And please understand, I'm not attacking any of those groups to do that. They intend well. But they're really quick because they don't have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) They're limited to what they can do. You have the words of life and death. If you are a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you to regenerate you, to change you, to bring peace. And when he's established his rule in your life, your job is to bring peace, make peace, find those at war and bring the gospel. Well, it's a bit left field. First of all, you're talking about world peace, now you're talking about bringing the gospel. They're one and the same. You can't separate the two issues. The gospel's not active if it's not bringing peace. Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. I love Romans. Anyone else like Romans? What a book. What a book. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. World peace starts with you. No, not the person next to you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your neighbor. You. Are you at peace with God? Is his peace ruling in your life? Or are you still fighting for your rights? I I know this is confronting. I was looking at the messages I'm writing and thinking, gee whiz, I hope you got the right word here, Lord. I mean, you don't get it often wrong. I I just had a stirring in me writing this very simple message that we think someone else is the answer. You. 
you have the answer. Who else is going to do it if you don't? Do you know there's a guy, um, Edmund Burke was his name, in the late 1700s. He was a philosopher, a nobleman, a very intelligent man. Edmund Burke was quoted as saying this once, the only ingredient necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do what? Nothing. Hey, I don't mean to be critical, and I point the finger at me first. I think the church is doing pretty close I mean, the human side of me says sorry. The spirit side of me says suck it up. We, we just need to get off our quiches. We're comfortable. I'm comfortable. That's not good enough. If you actually believed that you had the answer to peace, would you do something? See, that's the problem with a question like that. Is because we say, yeah, I do it. I know when I wake up in the morning, I go, God, I want to bring peace. But I don't do anything about it. Just meander along in my own life. Don't share the gospel. When it's convenient, I do. You know how it is. There doesn't seem to be that burning drive in the Western church that says we have not an answer, the only answer to this planet's problem. And it's mankind. And it's the sin that resides in his heart. Jesus Christ is the answer. It is true. You can go to the top of the class. It is true. Is the peace of God in your life? That's the real question. Has he done war with you and have you lost? And is he now ruling in your life? Or are we still fighting with God for our comforts, for our conveniences? I want that job. I don't want to go and preach to that person. I swear we're like a bunch of children having their little tantrums before God. Would you quit fighting against God? Let him rule and bring his peace into your life. You can be an agent of peace. That's what we're saved for. That's what the gospel's about. Amen? Amen? I'm going to give you an early mark. Is it an early mark? I haven't got a clue. If you don't have the peace of God in your life, like it says here in Romans, if you have never given your life to God, let me tell you how simple it is. There is a stirring in your spirit. That's the first and most important thing. It's not about whether the guy at the front says something you go, hmm, I like that. There is a stirring in your spirit that says, this is true. You might not completely comprehend the whole lot, but there is something in your spirit that says, I know this is true. And what it does, it confronts you, like Jesus said he would do. I didn't come to bring peace, 
that will happen after I have cut out the sin in your life. And that's what he tries to do. If you let him, he will come in and he will begin to hack away at the mess you've made of your own life. That's what he did for me. And once he's finished, he starts rebuilding the life that he has planned for you. You can have that this morning. You can have peace with God. Do you want peace with God? I'd rather just keep doing life my way. Then you won't have peace with God. Let's close our eyes. It's actually a very, very sacred thing to have that stirring in your heart. Do you know that? The Bible says that no man can come to the Father unless he's drawn by God. Which means if you're experiencing a stirring in your spirit, hear me clearly, this is what is happening. God is saying, I've selected you. I'm calling you. I'm drawing you. Now will you respond? I know I'm not that good of a speaker to be able to manipulate anybody. But I tell you, if you've got that stirring, it's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Will you respond? If you're a Christian and you know that you have peace with God, He's having His way in your life, you are being regenerated. No, you're not perfect. But God is working in you and you now have this peace. You know you are at peace with God. If you were to die today, you know that you are at peace with God. But you also know that you have allowed yourself to become complacent and comfortable. And being a minister of peace, a minister of reconciliation is not high on your chart and you know it should be. There needs to be a repentance from both. If you are an unsaved, a non, you're, you're a person that doesn't yet have Jesus in your life as your Lord and as your Savior, it's a, it's a point of repentance. It's the point where you say, God, I acknowledge you and I am going the other direction. I'm going I'm to follow you. I'm going to stop living my way. I'm going to live your way. Is there anybody who wants that in this room? Thank you. See that hand. There's no tricks to this. Do you understand? I see that hand. I see that hand. There is no trick. Thank you. I see that hand. See that hand. Thank you. Friend, the peace of God is for you. Nobody else can give you an eternal peace like God can. He will move in. He will war with you. And the ultimate result will be eternal peace. Romans 8 says that we have this confidence that His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are his children. 
Friend, if you've just made a decision to give your life to God, you have been adopted into the family of God. And the best thing you can do now is hook into a church where they can teach you, they can take you through some Bible studies and tell you what it means to be a Christian. This is a good church. Will you come down after the service and meet with one of the pastors and they can point you in the right direction of a program or give you some material to take home? Peace can be yours today, friend. And if you're one of the other Christians who have been saved a long time and have become a little complacent and the idea of world peace and the fact that you are the answer, you have the answer, has made you a little uncomfortable, then you too need to repent, friend. No tricks. You know how this works if you're a Christian. You come before the throne room of God and you say, I'm only here because you've made me whole. But Lord, I need to repent of my self-focus, my self-wants. And I've ceased allowing peace to flow out of me. I don't bring the gospel of peace to anybody. I don't share the life that was once so invigorating. If you need to pray for that, if you need prayer for that this morning and you just know Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you don't need to raise your hand. We're just going to say a prayer together. Because I am included in this and that I regularly find conveniences not to be a minister of peace and reconciliation. Would you in your heart just say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I am sorry. I turn from my selfish ways back to your selfless ways. Lord, would you bring back to me the joy of my salvation? Bring back to me the joy and the peace of my salvation. And stir me up to become an agent these things we ask that we might benefit you tell us that you work all things for our benefit so Lord we ask that you work these things for our benefit but oh God above all that you would be glorified in our lives that the gospel of peace would have its way in us and that we would become ministers of that gospel bringing peace to a world that does not yet glorified in champion lakes Lord. be glorified in our homes be glorified in our community be glorified in our nation let us once again 
hold you as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, King. Thank you, Pastor Phil. Isn't it good to be in God's house? It's good to be in the house of God. If you would um, like any prayer after the service, please come forward. The prayer team are here to um, to continue this this precious time that we have to spend with the Lord. Other than that, be blessed. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just praise you and thank you for today, God. Lord, we just thank you that you are the peacemaker. Lord, that we can rely not on our own strength, but on your mighty strength, because you have the power and the authority and the where for all to bring peace, not only into our lives, but into those who love we love. Lord, we just thank you that this week we can step out in faith to be the peacemakers of this world. And Lord, we don't have to do it on our own because you are the one that will be able to do it in us. Lord, we just thank you for the people that are here today. And Lord, we just pray for those who aren't able to make it here today, Lord God, whether they be in holidays or Lord, whether they're homesick. Lord, we just pray for a special touch in their lives that they would know, that they would know, that they would know that the hand of the living God is upon them, Lord God. Lord, and we just ask you just to be with us in travelling mercies as we go on our way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't forget to sign up for the camp. It's your last chance. So see you next week. Have you signed up? You guys signed up?